This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Human trafficking is a topic many in law enforcement are discussing these days. But often there is some misunderstanding about it. Human trafficking is a crime against a person and uh, transportation is not required. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. Ethan Reese is a fourth grade student from Randolph County, but tomorrow he will be lighting the U.S. Capitol Christmas tree in Washington, D.C. Brianna Heaney has more. Ethan Reese has a deep connection to the Monongahela National Forest, where this year's U.S. Capitol tree came from. His great-grandfather, Arthur Wood, was one of the first superintendents there. Reese says he and his family love to visit the park to view wildlife, bird watch, and identify different plants and animals. And he hopes to be part of a generation to keep the forest a preserved public land for the future. I really hope that they'll be protected still by National Forest Guards, wildlife preserves, and I just hope people take good care of the forest. 4-H, a club for kids and teens to develop leadership skills and become productive citizens, chose Ethan through an essay contest. The ceremony will be at 5 p.m. Eastern. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston. Since the 1800s, holiday music has rung in the halls of the longest cave in the world. Mammoth Cave National Park in southern Kentucky is continuing that tradition this Sunday afternoon when it hosts its annual cave sing. Lisa Autry of WKYU has more. The all-female a cappella troublemakers from Western Kentucky University is one of many entertainers over the years to revive a tradition that began in 1883. The story goes a group of residents wanted to plan a Christmas celebration in the cave, so they hauled in a tree into the cave and sang Christmas carols. So we're in the 1980s, we restarted that tradition. Mammoth Cave spokeswoman Molly Shore says now in its 44th year, the annual event brings hundreds of people together to enjoy acoustics only the underground can provide. This year's performers include two local groups, the Band Table Singers from Glasgow and the Caveman Chorus. Cave Scene takes place this Saturday, December 3rd at 2 p.m. The holiday event is free and tickets are not required. I'm Lisa Autry in Bowling Green. More than 724,000 total transactions were completed on the West Virginia Turnpike during the Thanksgiving holiday from Tuesday through Sunday. With three toll booths, it's difficult to say how many cars or people that included, but it was nearly 10,000 transactions above previous estimates. Sunday and Wednesday were the busiest two days. Thanksgiving Day and Friday were the lowest days in the period, but they were still above estimates. Overall, there were more than 120,000 transactions a day across the six-day period. The West Virginia Turnpike averages nearly 100,000 total transactions per day for the entire year. The West Virginia Division of Highways is cutting branches and brush that overhang the Mountain State's roadways back from state roads. Part of it is about moisture on the roads, and part of it is about bats. 
Moisture left on pavement degrades asphalt, so maintenance crews cut away limbs and branches to allow sunlight to get to roadways below. By federal law, maintenance crews are only allowed to clear canopy between November 15th and March 31st. The restriction is in place to protect endangered bat populations, which typically don't use trees during those months. Last year, the WVDOH cleared more than 550 acres of tree canopy, but this year the agency has increased its goal to 600 acres. Last year, WVDOH cleared canopy along more than 430 miles of roadway, enough to stretch from Charleston to Myrtle Beach. A troubling report about fair and ethical behavior at Bluefield State University has caused a shakeup with the school's leadership. Randy Yowie has more. Bluefield State University President Robin Capehart resigned November 2nd. President since 2019, Capehart's departure follows a Higher Learning Commission peer review team report of an October visit to the historically black college. The visit was to review compliance concerns over fair and ethical behavior on the part of Bluefield State's governing board, administration, faculty, and staff. The report details evidence that shows Capehart and the Board of Governors did not operate with integrity. It notes Capehart disbanded the faculty senate and hired without a formal search process. The report said BSU faculty have almost no oversight of curriculum or other academic matters. West Virginia Public Broadcasting reached out to Dr. Capehart and Bluefield State for comment and received no response. A former West Virginia Republican Party chair, Capehart served as Secretary of Tax and Revenue in the late 1990s. He was a staff attorney for the Senate Finance Committee in 2017. Capehart is also a former Marshall University professor. Capehart stepped down as president of West Liberty University in Wheeling in 2015 after admitting he used university resources to help him with a private film company he founded. Delegate Mike Pushkin, a Democrat from Kanawha County and new member of the House Education Committee, says the report calls for more legislative oversight regarding possible political appointments in academic fields. Putting people in charge of institutes of higher learning up to pay back political favors. Uh, you have people who are either incompetent or, or, in this case, are ethically challenged. The Bluefield State University Board of Governors has appointed third-generation BSU alumni Dr. Darren Martin as its interim president. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yoey in Charleston. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.50. Breezy today with a chance of snow flurries this morning. Partly cloudy skies today. Highs only in the 20s and 30s. Partly cloudy tonight. Lows in the teens and 20s. And sunny tomorrow with highs in the 30s and 40s. Support for WVPB is provided by the West Virginia Symphony, presenting Sounds of the Season on December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in Lewisburg, Charleston, and Parkersburg. Tickets and information at wvsymphony.org.
Many of us have, have heard the phrase human trafficking. It may bring to mind people packed into a truck being shipped across the southern border or kidnapped and sent into sex slavery in another country. Not that those problems aren't real, but human trafficking in West Virginia is different. News Director Eric Douglas wanted to know what human trafficking looks like in the Mountain State and brings us the first in a three-part series on the issue. A warning, there is no explicit language in this reporting, but some of the topics in these stories may be difficult for some. Everyone is against human trafficking. The problem is, what most of us imagine as human trafficking isn't really what happens at least in a place like West Virginia. Human trafficking is the exploitation of an individual for the purpose of commercial sex or compelled labor. Uh, you mentioned uh, human smuggling and a coyote bringing someone across the border. So just to kind of clarify that, it, uh, human smuggling is a crime against a border where transportation is required, but human trafficking is a crime against a person and uh, transportation is not required. That was Polly Ant. She's the Programs and Law Enforcement Training Coordinator from the West Virginia Fusion Center. The agency brings together intelligence from multiple law enforcement agencies. Her job is to identify situations where human trafficking is suspected and to send that information along to local police. Like she said, human trafficking doesn't require travel. Victims don't have to be taken anywhere. They don't have to cross state lines or even leave their hometowns. There does have to be fraud, force, or coercion to make the situation into human trafficking. Jack Lucard is the director of the Fusion Center. How big of a problem is it in West Virginia? Well, we don't know. It's the one of the most under-investigated, under-prosecuted crimes that we have. Often these crimes are perpetrated by family members or other trusted individuals who sell people who are in difficult situations for sex. For Yount, the problem is many victims may not understand they are being used. They may not realize that they're a victim as well. They may not realize that the, the situation that they're in, um, again, through the f use of force, fraud, or coercion, uh, that it is a situation of human trafficking. And again, goes back to those resources. They may not know um, who to seek out for help. Lucart says he has 30 years in law enforcement, but he never really heard about human trafficking until the last few years wasn't even a topic of conversation among law enforcement. Um, uh, I was never given any classes on human trafficking. I was never told how to recognize human trafficking. No prosecutor or uh, anyone ever said we might have a human trafficking charge here. Or I, as, a, as an officer, never thought about that side of things. One goal through the Fusion Center is to take training and education to state agencies and to make sure law enforcement doesn't miss the opportunity to file those charges. I just think that as we educate, as we publicize, the, the statewide initiative, uh, the governor's office has directed all state offices to uh, put the brochures, the flyers out, the information is going to be posted in all rest areas, all uh, welcome centers. Secretary of State Mac Warner is also using his position as the licensing agency for all businesses in the state to create West Virginia businesses against trafficking. Businesses are asked to post information to be aware of customers who may be in trouble. So the Secretary of State's office is, is actually educating our businesses, uh, business owners, business leaders on human trafficking, and these 
these flyers and these brochures are going to be put in West Virginia businesses. For William Thompson, the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of West Virginia, the problem is basic and troubling. A lot of what we see is as a direct result of what I call, you know, you can call it the opioid epidemic, the drug epidemic, whatever it might be. And we see a lot of what family trafficking, where family members are essentially selling young children into sexual acts uh, in order to get some money, which is then usually spent on drugs. That is the most common form of human trafficking, but Thompson explained that he does see labor trafficking too. Uh, whether it be panhandling, you know, we've seen the, you go through a, a Walmart or somewhere close and you see people panhandling, usually that's a form of human trafficking. Uh, they'll transport them six, eight, ten hours away, uh, take their, any means of transportation, ID, communications, and say, you need to go out and do this for a number of hours or you don't get a ride home. Ultimately, whether for sex or for labor, people are preyed upon by others while they are at their most vulnerable. Often, their support system is gone, or they are isolated and there is no one to turn to. And then, the trafficker tells them to do something, or they will lose what little they have left. It is also, commonly, a family member or relative that is doing the trafficking. They've taken three years of my life telling a story that wasn't even true. There was missing parts of it, and I just want to be able to fill the missing pieces with what actually happened. That was Jane Doe. She is a victim of human trafficking. You will hear more of her story later this week. Her trafficker has been sentenced to prison. The man she was sold to for sex will be sentenced soon. And at that point, she says, she looks forward to telling everyone her story. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Eric Douglas in Charleston. Tomorrow, Eric Douglas will have the second in this series on human trafficking. He will be discussing how law enforcement works to stop and prosecute these situations. A third story on Thursday will focus on a survivor and her experiences. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning. <laughs>